Feast Week is off to a roaring start with Zach Eady eating against Gonzaga, dropping 25 and 14 points and advancing to face Tennessee. What's going to happen there? We're going to talk about it. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, folks? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a daily national college hoop show part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your co-hosts. I'm Andy Patton. He is Isaac Shade. Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Prize Picks. Folks, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use promo code locked on college. You will get a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Well, Isaac, we had an incredible first day of Feast Week on Monday. Fantastic results in the Maui Invitational, the Empire Classic. Tons of different MTEs to talk about. As we're recording right now, we got 56 undefeated teams. We are recording before the final results of the UCLA Marquette game, the final results of the Kansas Chaminade game, although we're not expecting there to be a lot of mystery in that game. No, but no. I do want to start. Kansas with is up 21 to 9 right now, by the That's, way. So, <laughs> yeah, we are probably safe there. We are five seconds away from Akron becoming undefeated no more. So we'll uh, keep, <laughs> keep you posted on all of that stuff. But <laughs> Isaac, I want to start with what was the most exciting game on Monday, kind of until it wasn't late in the second half. That was between Gonzaga and Purdue. Purdue, of course, a top two ranked team in the country. We had them number one in our Locked On College Basketball Top 25. Uh, AP poll has them second, and they they looked the part. They looked like the one of the top teams in the country. And for me, I thought Gonzaga looked like a team that absolutely is capable of hanging with them. I think there's a lot of mystery coming into the year of kind of who is Gonzaga going to be in the post-Drew Timmy era. They also lose Julian Strother, Malachi Smith, Rasir Bolton, their entire bench. Hits the transfer portal. Like, this is a team that – comes into this year with a brand new roster and and kind of a lot of, you know, are they going to be at that same level? And while they ended up losing this game because of a horrendous shooting performance in the second half, literally did not make a three-pointer in the entire second half of this game. My main takeaway for Gonzaga in particular was they're capable of hanging with the top three team in the country. And my main takeaway on Purdue they're one of the best teams in the country. I'm curious what you thought about the, those two teams in that game. Oh, Andy, you're spot on. Like these two teams combined, Purdue was four of 17 from three, Gonzaga six of 32. I six think of 30, they missed 26 threes and, 26 and hung threes. close with a top team. That's that's so impressive that's, in its own right. <laughs> it's combined 10 of 49 from deep, Andy. We can't have that from two of our top 11 teams in the country, oh, but... Um, no, I mean, this was coming into it. We expected this to be the crown jewel of mm-hmm. the first day of Maui. And as you said, obviously, we haven't seen Marquette and UCLA yet at this point because mm-hmm. homie is almost 40 years old and I got to go to bed. But um, <laughs> Andy, yeah, like uh, Gonzaga and Purdue are right there. We knew it about Purdue. We weren't sure about Gonzaga. And at least on Monday, Gonzaga yeah. was up to the task leading at the half at yeah. 35 to nothing. And 35 to nothing, 35 30. Excuse me, that would have been an incredible comeback. Uh, what a first half that was! Man, <laughs> we're going to talk about that for decades. Um, what was interesting was Zach Eady got off to a, he was two of two to start, but then slow after that. Yeah, but then man, he just started cooking. You said he was eating. Um, mm-hmm. and part of that, I thought Graham Ike was able to do a better job on him than I expected. Uh, Gonzaga didn't double on mm-hmm. Zach Eady, but was just kind of chipping and getting at him a little bit and, and it got to him some, but then he, as he does 
found his way. And that, that was the thing is Purdue came out in the second half and was what I expected Purdue to be outside of the three-point shooting. And, and that's the thing, Andy, perhaps one of the biggest takeaways is if Purdue is not going to be able to shoot at a, at a high level from three, we know the numbers. We harped on them all last year. They will not be national championship capable, not mm-hmm. even caliber capable of doing it. So that's what they're going to have to get better at because I don't care how good or big or tall Zach Eady is. If I'm able to sag down on him and not respect you from three, mm-hmm. Purdue can't do it. Now I expect them to long-term though. That's it. What was interesting to me is like, I think Gonzaga executed a lot of the things in their game plan that they wanted to execute. They wanted to prevent Purdue's guards from getting a lot of open looks from three. They shot four of 17. They wanted to attack uh, on Zach Eady on drop coverage and try to punish him by, by making shots over him You know, in that drop coverage. They attempted to do that. They just weren't able to knock the shots down. They wanted to get out to a fast start. They went on a 12 nothing run uh, You know, in the first few minutes, led for literally 16 and a half minutes in the first half, like the, those were, I mean, I wasn't in the huddle, but those are likely things that Mark few harped on of here's what we want to do in yeah. this game. You know, don't let the guards beat them, attack them on those uh, drop coverage and, and Gonzaga executed for the most part on those things. They got out in transition. They forced Purdue into a bunch of turnovers. I think Gonzaga had 12 steals in this game. Like they really did a lot of the things they wanted to do, but in the second half, they literally just could not get the ball to go through the hoop. Uh, if you had told, I said said this to you offline, Isaac. If you had told me that Gonzaga's defense was going to look significantly better than their offense against Purdue, I would not have believed you. But Gonzaga held Purdue to seventy three points and, and a pretty poor performance in terms of field goal percentage. But you know, doesn't matter if you only score sixty three and you can't buy a back a bus a bucket in the second half. Yeah, and you know, we talking about offense and defense. You know, we always look at Ken Palm and say, all right, who is top 10 in both mm-hmm. offensive and defensive efficiency right now? There is one team in the country that is top five in both right now. And that's mm-hmm. the team called the Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah, that's what I was and, thinking. <laughs> yeah, so they are third in adjusted O and fifth in adjusted D. And Andy, if they're going to be able to hang around right there, I mean, they're, they're going to be able to do what they need to do. Also, with Zach Eady, it's not unique to this game, but he just gets fouled and it not be called so much. Like It's like the, the, the Shackification of it all. Like Just because Shaq is a ginormous human being doesn't mean he's not getting fouled. And I wish refs uh, would adjudicate that a little more capably um, going forward. But uh, bottom lining this for me, and I think we've kind of already said it, but let me just echo what Jay Billis said on the broadcast, aside from his old school references to Snoop Dogg. Um, <laughs> Andy, he said, I think it was in the last minute of the game. He said, listen, the this is an elite eight game. This yeah. is what I'm watching right here. And I have zero disagreement with that. And mm-hmm. we're going to, I feel like we're going to be able to say that about so many games this week uh, from what's going on in Maui, obviously aside from this Kansas Shamanad game going on in front of my eyeballs right now. Well, I think that uh, that Tuesday's game between Purdue and Tennessee is probably going to be a final four game because Tennessee, they advanced past Syracuse. Another game that was kind of similar to the Gonzaga Purdue game in the sense that Syracuse hung around for a while. They hung around for quite a bit in the first half. And then Tennessee went on a a big run to close out the first half. And from there, they kind of just held on Uh, nice performance 
from the Vols. I thought a solid performance from Syracuse. They still have plenty of work to do, but Judah Mintz is an absolute dude. Uh, he's not going to be he's not going to be fun for anybody to have to handle this year. I'm sure ACC teams are already sweating a little bit seeing what he's doing. But uh, Dalton Connect for Tennessee, he missed a, a big oh, chunk of the second half with the cramp, and you know we have to that's hope, all it was. You know, yeah, we have to hope that that's not going to linger for him for the next couple of days because I'd love to see Purdue and Tennessee both at full strength. But the the way they connect played in this game, I mean, 15 points in the first half, just absolutely phenomenal uh, performance from him. And, and, you know, you look at the thousands of players that, that joined new schools in the transfer portal this year and, and, Hunter Dickinson is going to get the most attention for being like the perfect fit for a bill self offense at Kansas. But Dalton connect is exactly what Rick Barnes's team needed. I'm literally exactly what they needed an athletic wing who can score, who's a offensive minded score first player who's capable enough defensively to fit into Rick Barnes's defense. Like it is incredible that like if you drew up a creative player to fit into Rick Barnes's team, it literally would look like Dalton Connect. And if he if he's healthy for the rest of this tournament, I think we're going to see uh, Tennessee. There's a very real chance they're going to win this whole thing. Yeah, I think I, I like to call it Frankensteining it, and I'm right yeah, with exactly. you. Andy. I, I think the problem though is is Tennessee's not going to be probably at full strength because Tobey Awaka is probably going to be out. You know, he went out early in the first half there, and that will be critical in their front court capability trying to stop. Uh, what Mr. Zach Eadie's trying to do that we just talked about. Now, Andy, uh, I thought um, Syracuse did a nice job of like pushing, but then mm. each of the each like at the end of both halves, Tennessee just went on these kind of ridiculous big runs, yeah. run big runs, like uh, spanning the end of the first half and into the second half, fifteen to one run to make it thirty six twenty five. Late in the um, uh, Syracuse cut it to 48 45. I was like, dang, that's way to go. Orange mm-hmm. cutting it back. Coach Autry's over there just getting a little bit happy. But then from 52 to 48, eventually we got there. Six minutes and 45 seconds left to go. Tennessee goes on a 21 to 8 run to close the game. If they're going to have that kind of kick, that yeah. kind of, you know, to put it in some running parlance, <laughs> dude, that uh, nobody's going to be able to stop that. And that's with. You know, you're getting the cramps, you're getting all this stuff. I walk it out like Tennessee, man, and, and Ziegler getting him some minutes. I know he was a little bit rusty on Monday, but they're they're just working him in more and more and more, and you love to see it. Andy, this Tennessee team's legit. Well, folks, that was the beginning of Maui. We'll talk a little bit uh, about what's going on later. As we said, don't forget, Kansas Chaminade's going on as we record. We won't catch Marquette UCLA. We'll have to talk about that in case anything crazy happens later, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, man, the Empire Classic almost did not get the UConn-Texas matchup we were hoping for, but Louisville, Louisville, and so we did. In this game, the reigning national champion, UConn, we've been thinking about this one sophomore, but Andy, Donovan Klingon, the one we expect to do it all, it's a different sophomore that had himself a night on Monday. Alex Caravan dropped 20 points. Have we been hyping up the wrong, U- the wrong UConn second-year man? We'll talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by LinkedIn. Look, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to make sure that you have the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's honestly so easy to create a free job post. And then you just add that job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile 
to spread the word to everyone that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then ultimately hire. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay. Andy empire classic big stuff going on there. We had uh Yukon versus Texas. The consolation game was Indiana and Louisville. And you know, they are what they are. We're going to talk about Yukon and Texas Yukon got off to this ridiculous start, Andy. I was just, I, I kept updating it, like 5 <laughs> 9-2, 14-5, 27-11, and it just kept expanding. And, and Andy, I was like, dude, reigning national champs about to run away with this bad boy, especially because Dylan D'Souza obviously already not in, and no Caden Shedrick on this night. And I was like, Andy, I, Longhorns, Rodney Terry, these guys are in trouble tonight. But they started to come back. We'll get to that response from the Longhorns in a little bit. Clinging. He did fine. Yeah. But talk about my man, Alex Caravan. Yeah. Alex Caravan has looked fantastic this year. And I think there was so much attention coming into the year about Donovan Klingon and, and he's his high NBA draft stock for his size, his efficiency. And certainly there's, I, I don't think Donovan Klingon has been bad by any stretch of the imagination. No, 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 no. I think he's, he's filled the role that UConn wants from him. But Alex Caravan has stepped up in a massive way in the absence of Jordan Hawkins, uh, in the now absence of Stefan Castle, who's been out with an injury for these Huskies team. I mean, Caravan has scored in double figures in every one of his games. Uh, he scored 13, 14, 15, 20, and 22 in the five games that UConn has played. He's been a tremendous outside shooter all season long. I mean, he was great last year, it's, particularly in the NCAA tournament. He really turned it on for that UConn squad. And now, I mean... I'm not an NBA draft guy. Maybe we'll bring our guy Leaf to lead on to talk a little bit more about some of the draft stuff here in the future. But to me, Caravan with his size, with his outside shooting, like this is a young man who's really, really been impressive early early on the season. He stepped into a much big, bigger scoring role for UConn and, and for a team that that needed a little bit of extra help uh, with again the, the losses of the players that that are gone, like Sonogo and Hawkins and everybody, and, and now with Castle out, they needed somebody to step up. And Tristan Newton didn't have a great shooting night. Uh, Cam Spencer didn't have a great shooting night, and yet they still rolled to a victory. Yeah, yeah. A very good Texas team in part because of somebody like Caravan. Yeah, man. Uh, so, so impressive. You love to see that. You love to see guys stepping up. And that's what Texas was going to need to happen with mm -hmm. some of that depth concern. Like, right? We talked a lot about that even ahead of the season. We were worried about Texas's depth. And then you're without DeSue, without Shedrick. And uh, Coach Terry's going to need dudes to step up and you get some of that. Like Ithiel Horton had a little bit of a better night, 11 mm -hmm. points off the bench, four of nine. Um, so, so we're looking at that, but Andy, one of the things I'm looking at that I'm a little bit concerned right now is uh, Max Ace's um, shooting. Yeah. Right. Against Louisville, six of 19 uh, on Monday against UConn, four of 14. So combined in the empire classic homie shoots 10 of 33. That's just 30%, 30.3% if we're being, you know, specific. Mm -hmm. Andy, are we concerned about Max Asmus at the, you know, major conference level? Or is it just like, hey, bro, it's two games, whatever, move on? A, a little bit. I mean, I think you, you look at this game, Asmus had five assists and one turnover. So it's not like he was, if you're really concerned about him moving up a level, I think one thing you would see is like not only less efficiency scoring the basketball, which I think 
anybody probably could have expected that Ace Miss going into a similar role for a team that's just playing better teams is probably going to be a little bit less efficient, but he's still taking care of the basketball in a decent way. Uh, two of five from three, I mean, 40% in, in one game. In this game, he was just two of nine on two pointers, really struggled. And, and again, UConn has really good rim protection in Donovan Klingon. And so I think part of that might have just been the opponent. But I do think that part of Ace Miss's struggles is related to the other aspect of Texas you talked about, which is the lack of depth. They don't have, I mean, Shindal Weaver hasn't really been that guy. Ithiel Horton is inconsistent. Uh, Tyrese Hunter obviously can kind of fill more of that guard role or lead lead guard role for, for Texas as well. But I think there's a bit more pressure on Hunter and Ace Miss to fill these like big roles because there's not a lot coming up behind them. And without DeSue, who could certainly handle more of a scoring responsibility yes. without yeah. Chedrick in this game, you know, there's just a lot of pressure on Ace Miss to produce and, he, he just he didn't have it in this game. I think he'll have better days, but I also think if he continues to have to take 15, 18 shots per game for Texas, A, that's bad news for Texas uh, regardless, and B, I, I think you're going to see his efficiency certainly plummet because that's just not super – it was sustainable at Oral Roberts. It's not going to be sustainable here. And uh, to my own question, I, like it would be unfair of me to not point out his first three games when he shot 50% or better in all three of them. Right. Uh, at the beginning of the season, before, everything before these two games, he was shooting 51.6%. So I think he's going to be okay. Small yeah. sample size. We will keep tabs on it, but we'll, well, you know, we'll see. Whatever. Um, it, now, let's get to Texas, though. Because while they could have been just the doors blown off this thing, right? Again, we said it was 27 to 11, and mm-hmm. UConn's just hitting everything in sight. Texas makes a big game out of this, Andy. They, yeah. they made a second-half push, showed me infinitely more than what they did on Sunday against Louisville. You know, it, it felt like there was like this kind of hangover from what happened in the Louisville game. They still weren't able to figure things out, especially without Shedrick. And then something, you know, I don't know what what Coach Terry's talking about at halftime, but they got enough to make a game of it at least. And Mm -hmm. that's all you need to see sometimes. I mean, UConn is legitimately one of the main contenders to repeat as national champion. Right. And so I, I think Texas showed us something there in the second half in particular. 100%. 100%. I think Dylan Mitchell is fantastic. I mean, he was 21 points, eight boards in this game. He looked incredible. Uh, again, UConn's guard struggled to shoot a little bit. I think you've got to give some credit to Texas's defense and the, the physicality that they tend to play with uh, to keep this game within reach in the second half and then make a nice push the way that they did. I, I I don't. Ha- I have far less concerns about Texas now than I did after they barely escaped against Louisville. Uh, I still have Texas as a top twenty team, right, kind of on that border. I think this game actually gave me even more confidence because they did this without two starting front court players, and when they get those guys back, I think that this is a team that nobody's going to want to face for sure. I, I wouldn't. I'll tell you that much, Andy. <laughs> uh, anything else to say on Indiana and Louisville? I mean, is it like is Louisville? You know, we talked about it yesterday. Louisville might be a little bit improved. Indiana just really struggling right now. Where are we at with that? Yeah, the, the shoe hasn't quite dropped on Indiana yet. They've continued to escape with wins, but they they frankly haven't looked good in, in the majority of the games and the majority of the minutes that they have played up to the point up to this point in the season. They were one of eleven from three in this game. I mean, at least they weren't relying on it significantly, but can't shoot 9% from three and expect to win a whole lot of basketball games. They did here because Louisville is also quite bad at shooting and scoring and basketball right now. I think, uh, I think we're seeing the Cardinals be a bit better than, than we would have than they were last year. Certainly competitive games against Texas and Indiana. Certainly. Another good good. For Sky Clark. 
Another yeah, and Guy Clark looked good. And 19 points, not very efficient, but 19 yeah. points. The main yeah. thing I took away from this game is that there was a combined 63 free throw attempts, and that is disgustingly gross. Like, that is – I don't know whether it was incredibly happy officiating from the time that I was watching. It looked like legit fouls that I was seeing. So I just think there was some slop in this game, and, and hopefully that kind of stuff gets ironed out. But these are not two teams that I have a – I mean, I certainly know no expectations for Louisville, but frankly my expectations for Indiana have, have dropped a fair amount as well. Yeah, a combined six of 30 from these two teams, so very similar. Oh, my gosh, Andy, I'm seeing it. It's that dumb commercial where homegirls dipping a strawberry in sour cream. What <laughs> on earth? Has anybody else seen it? It's terrible. This is an abomination. Okay, Mackenzie Mbaco. We talked yesterday about his four and two-point outings in that one double digit. This was another four-point outing for Mackenzie Mbaco. Got to contribute more for the Hoosiers. We got great news. Virginia scored more than 20 points. In the second half against Wisconsin, they did not do the same in the first half against the Badgers, a baffling offensive performance from Virginia. We're going to talk about that and a few other games of note from Monday after a word from today's sponsor, Prize Picks. Folks, if you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find community plays under the Promos tab on the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize pick community every single week. And with the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. So ex for an example, you can bet on LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combination of three-pointers made and receptions. Folks, Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more or less on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And folks, Prize Picks has themselves a great Thanksgiving Day discount on Christian McCaffrey's rushing plus receiving yards has been discounted to 0.5. That's it. That is the biggest no-brainer in this <laughs> industry. Just hit the over on that. You're good. You're going to make yourself some cash. So go to pricepix.com slash college. Use that promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's pricepix.com slash college. Use that promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. PrizePix, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Isaac, closing out the show today, not quite doing our six-pack that we typically do on our Monday shows, but we got a couple of stories to talk about. We got a two-game results we want to discuss. We got a eligibility story about Aziz Mandego we want to get to, and then we're going to end the show talking quickly about the preview of the Maui Invitational Games on uh, Tuesday between Tennessee and Purdue. We don't know, again, as we're recording right now, whether Kansas is going to play Marquette or UCLA, but we'll certainly get to those games later in the week. But, Isaac, let's start with this Virginia-Wisconsin game. Virginia ranked 24th, Wisconsin unranked, both teams kind of right on the periphery of being ranked teams by most kind of outlets right now. And Wisconsin went out and sent a message and Virginia forgot to bring their offense. They just were not there offensively. A 24-point victory for Wisconsin, 65-41 to 41 was the final score. It was 28-18 to 18 at halftime. Reese Beekman was leading Virginia with points at halftime, Isaac, he had five. Five. He had five points. Five. What the heck happened to Virginia in this one? They Virginia. I mean, they, they just have games like this, dude. Like, you agree? I mean, they're. I was just looking as you were talking to remind myself. They are three hundred and sixty 
second in the nation in <laughs> adjusted tempo. Andy, do you know how many teams there are in Division One? I? I do. There are 362. <laughs> right. They are dead last in adjusted tempo. And so it's like this 20, like a 24 point loss for Virginia is like an 87 point loss for any other school in America. Like, I mean, it's insane. They fall from 19 to 39 at Ken Palm. Uh, like, but they're, they're doing all this. And then on the other side, they're still doing their thing defensively. They're, I mean, they're not elite elite as they usually are. They're 17th right now. They had seven blocks in the first half, Andy. <laughs> what, are, what are we doing? Some people don't have that in like three game stretch and they do it in 20 minutes. Um, but it's just, I think this was a first half of just two putrid offenses going up against each other. I mean, we get that sometimes. And that results in this 20 to 28 to 18 halftime score before they Wisconsin finally figured out a little bit how to unlock um, the, the Virginia defense. And then they were off and running a little bit more. Yeah, Wisconsin's a very interesting team to me. They scored 105 points in their first game. They hold Virginia to 41 points. You'd think just by knowing those two facts that you're talking about like a really premier team, but they're not. They're not there yet. I think that they got some good pieces. I think they're going to have some good games, but they're. I, I feel for my my one of my good friends who's a good a big Wisconsin fan because this feels like it's going to be a pretty frustrating team to follow all season long. Isaac, speaking of frustrating team, John Ooh. Calipari and the Wildcast after playing an incredible game against Kansas, competing with the number one team in the country, legitimately looking for the first time since we've seen this roster like a a potential top ten team, they go out and dang near lose to St. Joseph. They had to go into overtime for a victory here. The Wildcats, it wasn't a shooting issue. They scored 96 points. They shot 12 of 25 from deep. That's a cool 48%, but they got out-rebounded by St. Joseph's. We're not stunned by that, considering Kentucky is, still does not have Aaron Bradshaw. They still don't have a gut on Yenso. Right, they right. still don't have Zvonimir Visic. So you still don't want to get out-rebounded by teams like St. Joseph's, but at least there's an understanding for it. The Hawks also shot 15 of 37 from three in this game. So Kentucky's got some serious issues defending the perimeter, rebounding the basketball. And at the end of the game, we just saw freshman mistakes. Reed Shepard got a steal and then handed the ball back to St. Joseph's and almost almost led to a, a game-tying free for them. So this is a young team. They're going to make young mistakes. This is yep. the kind of thing that's going to happen. Uh, they play like this uh, defensively in the SEC. They're probably not going to beat a whole lot of teams, but they're going to keep hanging 96 on people. It's going to be it's going to be a fun ride with Kentucky this year. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but it's going to be fun. We keep saying that too, and I think it's so true. Like it's a fun team to watch. They're very fun. I love that Coach Cal's letting them shoot, modernizing Kentucky basketball. What do you know? I think they're going to keep doing it. I mean, this was a game you talked about Reed Shepard. He'd been killing it. He only took one one shot in this game, but it didn't matter. Kentucky still goes 12 of 25 from deep, but as you said, got to shore it up on the defensive end just to show that dichotomy. They're currently ninth in adjusted offense and 53rd in adjusted defense. Got to pick that up. Now, yeah, yeah. to be fair, St. Joe's is a decent team. Like they're 109th or 106th at Kempom right now, so mm -hmm. not terrible, but still got to have a better showing. Uh, Andy, whoo, this has been an off season, especially in football about all these conversations about getting guys eligible. And mm -hmm. finally, as you said, we got Aziz Bandango, mm -hmm. uh, eligible for Cincinnati and coach Wes Miller, uh, from Jonathan Gavoni, put this out from ESPN Cincinnati center and two-time transfer Aziz Bandago will be eligible to play immediately after new information emerged that caused the NCAA to reconsider his waiver and appeal he told ESPN. I've heard this language. Yes, you have. <laughs> I have heard this language, Andy Patton, and I'm here to tell you 
I'm just glad he's playing. We'll yeah. leave it at that. Let's move on, shall we? Before yep. I get hot and bothered. It's just Perfect. great. Let, let the boys play, right? Yeah. Here we are. Thankfully, he's immediately eligible. It's great news. Um, Andy, as we start to think about uh, t- uh, Tuesday's action in Maui, um, I'm watching Kansas and Chaminade get to halftime. A lot mm-hmm. of family hugs going around as we think about KJ Adams' mom, mm-hmm. um, who passed away from cancer. Yeah. And uh, just, there's no words, brother. Like, yeah. it's just really these devastating been. things. Um, sometimes sports is what can bring us back together in moments like this. I'm, why? <laughs> Uh, just watching the parents hug each other and console one another as they talk about it. So um, thoughts go out to the Adams family, but <laughs> the Adams family. Um, but Andy, um, man, obviously we're going to have some more big time matchups uh, today, Tuesday out mm-hmm. in Maui. We got that Tennessee Purdue uh, Vols. Zach Eady, what are we doing? What do you yeah. think? How do they handle that? Yeah, this is, there's so many fascinating questions in this game. Uh, for me, uh, how Tennessee handles Zach Eady is key. I don't know if they're going to swarm him with double teams, what they're going to do. They don't have quite the size that they had last year. Uh, so that'll be interesting. But for me, the biggest thing I'm curious about is the battle of transfers between Dalton Connect and Lance Jones. Really excited oh, to see how that shakes out. They're different style players, but they both kind of play that wing spot for their respective teams. And I think whichever one of those two guys has a better performance on this big stage, uh, I think is going to lead their team to a victory. Yep. Uh, Chaminade is losing by double digits, as you'd expect, to Kansas at halftime. Again, we don't know right now whether it will be Marquette or UCLA. Let's mm-hmm. say it is Marquette that wins. Mm-hmm. They're they're the higher-ranked team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be another epic uh, game in, in Honolulu, I guess, mm-hmm. technically. And uh, we will then talk about that on Wednesday's show and how all that goes. Juan Harris versus Tyler Kolek, elite Ooh, point. Right there. Baby, give me that matchup. Yeah. Please, I want to see it happen. Andy, man, it's a great show. So much good basketball. We didn't even mm-hmm. really get to talk about our top 25 or do trivia Tuesday. There's, It's just, it's feast week, baby. There's too much to eat and we all need our stretchy nighttime pants. Friends, uh, make sure you are joining us all. You can come be part of our Discord where we're talking about college basketball all the time. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show on video and audio formats. Smash the like button if we're here, if you're here watching, and we'd love to hear your comments on the show. As always, apologies to the lawyer family, unless you're able to win Maui, of course. Go Wildcats, and until tomorrow, peace.